Yo, this is Carnage the Executioner, and you're listening to Mighty Mighty Marsden House on Lawson Entertainment. Enjoy. Stop right into spotlight, dick. Give me some burn on my face. We took it from the black right into the top right there. And we did it all in your face. You know they gonna love it. Yo, what's going on, everybody? I am Timothy Lawson, and you are listening to Mighty Mighty Marsden House, a podcast collaboration between Lost in Entertainment and a Marston House recording in Philadelphia. This is a podcast where I talk to MCs and rappers about how they got into hip-hop, their creative process. We dig into their lyrics a little bit, and we just sort of get a, a good glimpse at who they are as an artist from beginning to where they are now. It's a really, really fun conversation I get to have with my guests this week, uh, for, as recommendation by Marston House owner Steve Skax, we have 310 on the show. And this was my first time talking to the young man, but I really I really enjoyed our conversation. We hit it off really well. And uh, a, lot of what we, a lot of what he had to say was, was interesting. And, uh, you know, getting into the lyrics that we did, we get to see uh, his, his viewpoints uh, on the world and how... How important it is to be independent thinkers and to come together as a group and think together as well. So when you're finished with the interview, be sure to check out the Marston House Ciphers at youtube.com slash Marston X House and check out more programming from Lost Entertainment at lostentertainment.com. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the interview. You know All right, everybody. This is uh, another episode of Mighty Mighty Marston House, and this week I have 310 on the show with me today. Sir, thank you so much for joining me. Man, thank you for having me, brother. So, you know, I uh, a lot of my guests are either ones that I personally reach out to or ones that come at high recommendation of Steve Skax, and you, sir, are the latter part of that. Steve uh, spoke the world of you and said that I had to have you on, so... Here you are, and I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to you. That's awesome, brother. I'm, I'm excited, and I'm happy that you know um, that Steve had good things to say. And man, this is this is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, let's let's start the conversation where where I where I try to start every uh, interview on the show, and talking about how you got introduced to the culture of hip-hop it's different and unique for all of us what's your story how did you get introduced to hip-hop oh man um well um back uh you know uh, um in the early 90s i um was um hospitalized a lot from for being an asthmatic and um so you know i was kind of like in a hospital like a lot and uh then we have uh <laughs> recreation time and um Believe it or not, man, my mom would actually come up and uh, bring cassette tapes. You know, that's when cassette tapes was popular, of course. And uh, she would bring up some cassette tapes, man, of like um, a lot of great MCs from, from back in that time. Um, and um, for some odd reason, man, it just spoke to me, you know, um, definitely dealing with, uh, you know, uh, uh, greats from that era. You know, I'm talking about, uh, you know, Onyx. I'm talking about, you know, uh, um, um, wreck uh, uh, effect and talk about, you know, Lords of the Underground, you know, and it sure. just got, you know, deeper and deeper. And um, I was always very in, in tune to like um, the musicality of, 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 you know, of different music, you know, and, uh, and hip hop just had like a, a primal, um, had like a primal speak pattern to me, you know, especially being in 
the conditions that I was in. And um, that's really what made me start listening to hip hop. Because before hip hop, man, I was this uh, 80s music kid, you know, it was uh, just the size of the new waves and, you know, um, all that type of good stuff back then. And, um, and then once hip hop really kind of got a toll of me, man, it was um, it was really special. And uh, one of my favorite movies was Crush Groove. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but it's it's a old movie, man. Back in the day, it was kind of like a like an autobiography of how Russell Simmons got Def Jam and everything. And gotcha. uh, yeah, man, from that day forth, bro, I was hooked. Yeah, I bet. So what? Uh, <clears throat> the, how much long? So when did you start rapping? Then when does three ten? start putting words to paper, start messing around with some lyrics. When when does that evolution happen? Oh, bro. You know what? Um I was I was acting before I really started taking rapping very serious. And um my uh, my mom used to go back and forth. She's an actress as well and she used to do a lot of stage plays. And um so I had a lot of time to myself, you know, especially being the only kid. And um I had a karaoke machine. And uh, what I would do is every rapper or song that came out that I thought was cool, I would go to the store, buy the single, you know, of the, of the cassette, and I would go home and I would just rap to it. And uh, I would freestyle everything. It was just for fun at first, you know, it was just to do it, you know, um, to, you know, kind of get my mind off of things. And then it started turning into something that I was doing like all the time. And that started, man, like around. Oh man, I have to say like around 10, uh, about, about 10 or 11 years old, man, I was really kind of like doing these cassette mixtapes and just passing it out to my friends, you know, for, for last and whatnot. And then, um, it really started getting serious and I started, uh, you know, learning the art of writing down what I wanted to say instead of just doing everything off the top of my head. And then, um, that's really when it started beginning. That's when the 310 evolution started coming kind of into play. Uh, with, with writing bars and learning the measurements of songs and things like that. But definitely, I would say probably about the age of 10 is when I really started to notice that I could write music. Right. So you mentioned that you that you did some acting. Uh, Steve actually wanted me to specifically ask you about how he said you lost out on the part for Degra- Degrassi to Drake. <laughs> Is that is that true? Is 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 he or is he just stirring up a funny story? <laughs> this is actually what happened. What what happened is that um I went to audition for Degrassi and uh it was for a different part. It wasn't the one that that Drake got, but um you know we we was kind of like in the, in in the same place uh you no know, for this particular audition and um so what I used to tell I told Steve I said I remember Drake you know when he was just Aubrey. You know, and uh, and how um how the evolution of music and his character has changed, which is all good. But uh, yeah, man, it was a it was a while ago. That's when I was really deeply in my acting bag. Yeah. <laughs> when so how long ago then did you start start rapping? Give us uh, give us like a, a year. You think uh, when you really were getting into it? Man, um, I would have to say after. It became serious for me in 2001. Okay. Yeah. So, so since then, you know, so let's, you know, in that 14 year time period from 2001 to now, when did you notice the biggest 
leap in your in your talent when you realized you know you, you your talent had hit another level and it was definitely noticeable not only to the people around you but you yourself um you know what honestly i didn't really notice that i was doing um anything different it wasn't until I actually had a um a friend come over at one point in time and um this guy was doing a lot of lot of great stuff. I mean, you know, he was really getting a lot of notoriety and uh, he came over and he heard some of my tracks that I was doing with the <laughs> with the radio shack mic. Uh, you know, when um I was making beats on the NPC and uh when he listened to the music, you know, he sat back and he said, um Bro, you got something that you know that, I, that I've never really heard before, and I was like, "Man, get out of here, bro. Whatever, you know, you know, music is music. Nothing's new under the sun. Get out of here." And um, he was really, really adamant, and um, and it was at that time that he that he said that to me that he actually started telling people about uh, you know, my music and how it sounded and the sounds that I was coming up with and you know trying to create kind of like my own particular lane. And um, once people started really coming around and, and kind of started joining in the conversation of believing that, you know, I had something different, that's really when I started saying, okay, maybe I do. You know, because even in that time, bro, I was still doing acting gigs. You know, I was still working, you know, acting because that's how I paid the bills. But um, once people really started homing in on what I was creating and things like that, that's really when I took the time to say, oh, man. Maybe I do have something. Yeah. Nice. So then, uh, you know, walk us through your creative process. Then, when uh, when you when you when you're actually deliberately trying to write a song, make a track, whatever it may be, you know, what is your creative process like? Do you get inspired by a beat? Do you get inspired by a message and find a beat later? How do you go through that? Oh man, it's weird. It's like, um, uh, believe it or not, man, I, I get inspired by by a tone. It's a tone that usually comes um, in my head, and uh, and I'll hear it, and the melody kind of sends me to wherever I'm going to be. And um, it's weird because there's sometimes where I will write a song before doing the beat, and there's other times where I would do the beat before writing the song. But they kind of always work together to kind of uh, accompany um, each other, you know. And so um, usually the working process is. I, I take inspiration for what the melody is saying. And the melody can come from any source. It can come from, you know, something that's happened that particular day, something that's happened years ago, uh, something that I feel like is going to happen in the future, uh, you know, current events. Uh, any situation um, kind of brings um, that tone. And once that tone is there, bro, once I hear that melody and, and hear those sounds and see those colors, then I'm able to adapt whatever I want to say to that and then it just you know somehow comes together how does it does that change at all when you work with other artists so like so how does you know how does collaboration work then in your creative process um usually man when i'm with other artists bro i kind of um just you know once they tell me what they're looking for once they tell me what they're really trying to go in on i adapt automatically adapt to whatever they need whatever they're seeing and um you know i usually ask them you know you know what's, what's your mind uh, you know, stay that when you were thinking about this particular song um, or this particular topic. And I just go in from there, you know, and just adapt to whatever artists I'm working with. 
I browsed your your SoundCloud page, um, you know, listening to to the songs you have on there, and I was listening to the following um, is at the top of that feed, right? And in there, you know, you, you said something that you know we've heard in different versions throughout. Uh, throughout people, you know, philosophy and stuff like that. But the biggest threat in this world is a group of thinkers. And I'm curious to know how that, how that resonates with you. Like, what, what do you perceive that to truly mean? Um. Well, the way I look at it, man, is um, you know, the the biggest threat to 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 anybody who is trying to run an establishment or trying to to be over top of something as a person who is able to think for themselves. Uh, you know, the body dies, but ideas never die. You know, ideas never die. Imagination never dies. Um, and, and a group of thinkers is a group of people who really take the time to analyze what is being said. Because we all know that what is being seen is not really what's being seen. What's being heard is not really what's being heard and so forth. So, you know, a, a group of thinkers is, in my, in my mindset, is the biggest threat to anything. Because, you know, if you can just come to a person and say, hey, uh, you know, this rice is white. And that person just says, oh, okay, the rice is white, but never take the time to look in the bowl and notice that the rice is brown, then you're happy. But if you go to a person and say, this rice is white, and then they say, well, open up the bowl. Let me see for myself. Then you have a problem. Because then that person is able to think for themselves. They're able to acknowledge what you're saying, but saying, that's cool, but let me see for myself. Let me give my own opinion if this rice is indeed white or not. So, you know, to anybody who's doing a fashion, anybody who's trying to be um, dominating a group of thinkers is their biggest threat, you know? And that's kind of how I, I put it um, into the um, the falsetto of the following was kind of like... Um, you know, if, if the people who follow me are a group of thinkers, then you got a problem. You know, you just can't sell us what you push it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm uh, I'm browsing your your Twitter feed. Um, sometimes I like to, uh, to talk to people about the things that they tweet because uh, it's amazing the things that we're willing to put out there for, you know, everybody to... Uh, to, to look in on. Right. And I found, uh, let me see, I just scrolled past it. You, uh, you shared an Instagram photo, um, showing, uh, you know, Biggie with the word me over it and someone, uh, smoking, you know, and with the, the word, words, everybody else over them right. and your comments saying, I'm not them. Um, you know, where, where, how do you identify yourself inside the hip hop community? Like we're, what area do you feel uh, most comfortable in, and where do you identify? Ah, uh, man. Ah, uh, right answer. That's a good question. Uh, shout out to Tim for the awesome questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. That's, yes, man. Uh, that's why. That's why I do this. This gig. Yes, sir. You do it well. You do it well. Thank you. <laughs> um, man. Jeez. Uh, uh, okay, I, I, I'll be just blatantly honest, man. You know, the, the people that really turned things around for me musically was Eminem, um, DMX, um, Outkast, 
um, and, and, and guys who just took it to a completely different level, you know, and it was like, this is hip hop and this hip hop is awesome. But how I see hip hop is different. And they weren't afraid to challenge the masses. They weren't afraid to put out sounds and put out grooves and put out melodies and, and verses and lyrics that really challenge the listener to say, this is not what I'm used to, but this is dope. So that's kind of my lane. That's kind of where I fit. If anything, I would have to say that I'm an alternative hip hop artist. Uh, you know, I don't really stick to the norm. You know, I don't, I don't have the same subject matters that a lot of rappers talk about. You know, I'm not your conventional rapper of today, of course. You know, I don't have my whole body covered in tattoos. You know, I'm not an ex dope boy. I don't, you know, I don't pit switches and, <laughs> and all this shit. That's just not my life. You know, so I, um, I put myself in a lane where, excuse me, I could be comfortable with saying, whatever that I initially go through and all my thoughts and things like that. So um, I really wouldn't know where to put me, but if anything, I would definitely say alternative hip hop would probably be where I would be. Yeah. Got you. Are you still, are you still doing any acting now? Um, Actually, man, I had, um, I had stopped doing acting a few years ago and I just got back into it. I'm actually um, developing a web series right now. Um, that we're um trying to put together, which is going to be kind of cool. And um, what's the web? So, yeah. What's the web series about? It's <laughs> the web, name of the web series is called Sick University, and it's about the um it's about a university that teaches you how to be a superstar serial killer. And um, you got the four sons of like the number one killers. Uh, you got the son of Freddie, the son of Jason, the son of Michael Myers, and the son of Hannibal Lecter, and they're like four friends that's going through this college, and it's just a stupid, wacky comedy that's just ridiculous. It's just simply ridiculous. But um, That sounds ridiculous, and I really want to watch it. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. I'm actually supposed yeah. to be playing um, Hannibal's son. I'm his, um, his only biracial son. And it's really funny because, uh, you know, Hannibal used to eat people, and I'm a big guy, so it's kind of like, Every time you see me, you really see like the sins of my father. It's ridiculously stupid. It's right, stupid. <laughs> so you've been uh, again. So like we mentioned, the connection between you and me was made through through Marson House. And of yes, course, uh, this is a podcast focused on uh, you know Brandon from Mark- Marson House and right. embracing everything that they do. You've been on a few ciphers over at, at Marson House and right. uh, have been involved there. Uh, you know, we, you know, the thing that they're so well known for is the cipher, and it's because, I mean, hip hop just, it just, they, we so much appreciate just that part of the culture that I think the cipher is going to just transcend generations to come and still right. be this foundation. You know, like b boying has gone through its evolutions and its, you know, its popularity and its downfall. Graffiti is definitely something that isn't as glorified and right. as, as raw as it used to be. DJing took a huge turn with the iPod and with d- yeah. different ways to do your sets. But yet lyricism and just that base feeling of being an MC year to year right. and you see even the biggest artists giving nods to you know like with you know with battle rapping is still something that they're trying to maintain in the culture on the mainstream level and stuff right. so 
looking at the cipher and the environment there, you know, what does that do for you as an artist to be in that environment with other lyricists and and just getting an opportunity to express yourself through that sort of creative outlet? Oh man, it's it's it is truly, truly, truly a um a beautiful thing. Um it's um for me, I've always said this and I, and I always stand by it. It it really shows you who's an artist and who's not. And that might sound a little iffy, but it is in a spectrum it's like when you get around a lot of artists who are passionate about what they do and they're just ready and hungry and willing to get on the mic and express themselves, it really shows you if you got it in you or if you don't. Because if you can't get on that mic and give it all you got along with these artists, then you are everybody else. And then that goes back to the statement of being everybody else. It's a wonderful thing that Marston House is alive and effective and is beyond a beautiful thing that they're actually kicking out these ciphers because honestly, bro, you can go anywhere on any YouTube channel and see any battle that you want. The battles are so often now that they're not even as spectacular as they used to be. But to see a good cipher, you got to search for that. I mean, a good one. One that doesn't have just people who are just up there saying nonsense, but real artists, real MCs, real people who are able to express themselves in a collective unit and, and not be afraid. It, it's a beautiful experience, especially for someone like me who grew up on the ciphers and grew up on freestyling and grew up on just being in that raw element of hip hop. It's kind of the purest thing that you can experience as an artist or as someone who just loves the hip hop genre. And, and Marston House are kings for doing that. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a great way of putting it. <laughs> um, <laughs> going into a lightning round, uh, I still don't know what to call this. And every time I introduce this segment, I keep that open it the same way of saying it's a lightning round that I don't know what to call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the perfect title. Lightning round and I don't know what to call. That's it. Awesome. That's it. That is it. We made it. That's it. It's the lightning round that has no uh, no alternative name. Right. There it is. So, uh, if I could if I could snag any lyricist in the world, uh, mainstream, underground, whatever it may be, uh, hip hop, not hip hop, if I could get any artist to come collaborate with with three ten, who do you want me to go get for you? Oh my god, bro, you're killing me. Uh Wow. The list is beyond words. Um mm, Let's see. If it if it could be a rapper right now, I would most likely say I would most likely have to say M. Eminem would definitely be dope. But if it if so what it, it, Ahead, what if bro. I had what if I had the powers to resurrect MCs? Oh, and we got we got one back from the grave just to do one verse on a three ten song, and then they're going back to the the afterlife. Oh my! What? <laughs> You're yes. the first person I've asked this one too. You get the, you get the debut question. Yes, it is beautiful. It's a beautiful question, and that would definitely be notorious Big. Always. Yeah. 
It's hard, it's hard to not make that choice, right? One, because it'd be an honor to have us have such a legend on your show. Right. And looking at it marketing-wise, like, hey, I got the verse. <laughs> dude, <laughs> Biggie Smalls. It is yeah. kind of, dude, it, it'll be like the return of the Fat Boys for that one second. <laughs> that one soul the Fat Boys have reunited. And I'm going to tell you what's so scary about Biggie. My, my name is my, 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 my actual name is Wallace. And of course his last name is Wallace, but my, my name originally, before we changed to Wallace, was supposed to be Christopher. So wow. my my actual name was supposed to be Christopher Wallace. So there's like a real connection with me and that big fella. Uh okay, so same same type of question only with producers. Who uh who would you love to get to produce you a beat? Oh man. Honestly, if if I had to resurrect someone from the dead again, definitely Jay Dilla. I, I had a, I, I had a feeling that if you went the resurrection route, that is going to be Jay Dilla. Oh, definitely. Um, it's got to be right. It has um, to be. Where would you, if you can go anywhere in the world, any venue, any country, any city, doesn't matter. Where do you want to perform? London. London, nice. I like that. Yeah, uh, and then. Uh, what's a, what's a good one here? Get on a track. If you had to get on a Wu-Tang track, are you familiar with Wu-Tang? Of course. Okay. Well, I mean, like, familiar with, like, with the members, not just their music, but, like, with the members of Wu-Tang. Yeah. If you had to, if you had to choose two members of Wu-Tang, two or three members of Wu-Tang to get up to join, to, to get on a track, uh, or if Wu-Tang invites you to come on and be on a track with them, and they're like, you can be on a track with three of us, who, who are you selecting to, to be on the track with you? Um, Meth, Ghost, and man, it's a toss-up between Raekwon or You God. It's a good selection. It's a good selection. I feel like I feel like Ghostface is the uh, is the easy the easy choice, yeah. and then Meth Meth isn't too difficult of a choice, but it, it gets tough after that. Oh man, it really does. Really. So what's does. what what's coming up for three ten then? We uh, we've learned about. How you got introduced to hip hop? How you became an artist? We've learned a little bit about your music and the way you think and your creative process. Now we want to know what's next from Three Ten. What can we expect from you in the future? Oh uh, man, well I'm actually um, at Marsa House working on my um, forthcoming EP um, called um, "Burn Down Your uh, Burn Your House Down" um, EP, and um, I'm really excited to release that. And then, you know, a lot of great things will be coming um, from that. Uh, as far as shows and promotion and doing stuff like that, I have some collaborations coming out as well. Um, some music videos that will be uh, following that. So the future looks pretty, you know, pretty pretty bright for a dark MC as myself. Yes. Very cool. And you know, so every Thursday following these uh, these interviews, I release a cipher into the feed and. Yeah. Here we go. So you were on the uh just under a year ago, you were on the Psych Nah Cipher. Right. Um and we're gonna so that'll be put in the feed on third this is being released on Tuesday, that'll be uh coming out on Thursday. Okay. And then let me let me let me be the first to invite you to the Mighty Mighty Marston House Cipher we're we're doing on August eighth, uh where we're getting any and all of the podcast guests to come to Marston House for a special cipher. Oh wow, awesome. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, ju- it looks like Justin Lau will be able to make it. Uh, we'll see if Whitney can make it. Uh, Nico the Beast is going to be there. It's going to be it's going to be pretty special. Oh man, that sounds super dope. 
310, it's, it's been a pleasure, man. The first man. time I get a chance to talk to you, I think we had a really really great conversation. Heck yeah, man. This was this was a, a wonderful opportunity. I appreciate you and definitely appreciate Marissa House, man. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. I'm Timothy Lawson on behalf of Steve, Ethan, and the rest of us over at Marson House. We'll see you next week.